Hello there friends and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat and this week is time for another edition of Disney Discussions. So this week Rhea Carrigan of the Femon Collective takes the helm. Obviously Disney Discussions is put together by myself, Rhea Carrigan, Spider-Dan and my fiance Megan and so this is the 7th edition and it's Rhea's choice and it is Childhood Cartoon Crushes. So in this we delve into four movies, which is The Little Mermaid, Robin Hood, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So we not only review the films like we normally do in Disney discussions, but there's a little bit of a spin on this one, because obviously it's coming from the perspective of the childhood crushes. So we obviously speak about the films themselves, but we speak about if the characters that we had a crush on when we were kids, if that's still, you know, crush-worthy in air quotes, and other characters as well that we may or may not have a crush on nowadays, those sorts of things. So it's all fun and innocent and that sort of stuff, but we do talk about some very interesting things too. So I'm not going to waffle on any here apart from saying make sure you check out the show notes and check out the previous episodes of Disney Discussions. There is a YouTube version of this so you can watch our lovely faces while we talk about these things, and uh, I'll be back at the end with a little bit more information of what's to come. But thank you for listening as always, my friends, and I give you Disney Discussions number seven. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. It's all right. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to be offended by it because I'm a better person than Mike. Yeah. True, true. You created life, I haven't, so I haven't really got anything. And just in general, Mike. Yeah, apart from your Star Wars knowledge, I've got a bit more of that. That doesn't make you a better person, does it? It depends on the metric. If it was Star Wars, <laughs> I, mean, I think it would. I, th- I think no- knowledge of- often is, you know... Is this makes... going to be our cold open to the episode? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More knowledge doesn't necessarily person. make for a better person, I'd say. No, I, I don't think that's knowledge a... Is, but knowledge is power. better people. And knowledge like, is power, but... Everybody's good in their own way. Everybody's good and different, and that's what makes the world beautiful. That's true, but you were the one who said you were better than me, so it actually falls yeah, down to Yeah, because I, I wouldn't do a horrible nickname to you, Mike. Well, in I fact, when I talk about it. you in podcasts, I actually talk very highly of you, don't I, Mike? I don't know. I'm not usually in those podcasts. So you don't listen to any of the podcasts Ooh, I do? I've Mike. never listened to any Ooh. podcast you've ever done. I, I, if I find that you're in a podcast, I'm like, so I'm like, I'm not listening to that reason. Outrageous, don't, everyone. Don't you should be res- outrageous. Michael. What is good is his cheeky little face. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he can't even do it without looking so Why do cheeky. you hate women, Mike? Why, why do I hate women? Where do we start? No. <laughs> to clarify anyone who doesn't know, if this is your first time at Disney discussions, I'm coming off really badly. So sorry. Like, yeah, they they are not getting married anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Heard it here first, but sorry. I called Rhea a mean name before because it was hilarious, let's be honest. But sorry, Rhea. I mean, we all laughed, didn't we? Mm, didn't we, did. we all laugh? And then you we press record. You all laughed heartily. And then I press record, and then it made me seem bad. So you should respect revolting Rhea, as I yeah. called her on my podcast. <laughs> which I really she, enjoyed. She, I she wanted like, that. She yeah. wanted that. I stopped myself and I said, no, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't say that. Oh, but really you're like her in Horrible Histories book. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> They're going to talk about you in horrible histories in in years in the future. Yeah. Revolting Rhea. I'd yeah. buy oh that that segment. When MJ's world famous, it'll be there'll be a statue of you, revolting Rhea, and your I'm hair. I'm so will be happy with that. Can that be a new segment of Femon, like a, something really disgusting that you talk about? Just oh my god, Rhea. I mean, there's so oh, much. I thought of you that. meant <laughs> I think meant revolt is in like a revolution. I thought that's no. what the oh patriarchy is. Right. If you're like revolting Rhea, oh, not no, like I, okay, I prefer that. But I like both. That's what I thought. Not like Rhea's revolting. I didn't. Well, right, right. Let's take it back. 
for context as well. <laughs> we were doing we were doing our Halloween first Halloween podcast of last year, the Shock Phobia Fest that I do every year. And I I went to say, oh, you know, revolting Rhea, give her a spooky nickname, hmm. and then I said no, and then and then Rhea was like, no, I want that, give me more of that. <laughs> so I said, okay, revolting Rhea, and we went from there. That's that's where that came from for right. context. Um, I like both though, like revolting in both terms. I'm two, very two, pleased with that. You know, two revolting, context. revolting Rhea. Yeah, done. Triple R. <laughs> Triple R. Oh, oh I sound nice, like a threat. Nice. Triple R. <laughs> Take it off. Take it off. <laughs> Take it off. Uh, well, hello, everyone, and welcome here to Disney Discussions number seven. Uh, it's number seven. I checked it, and I've remembered it. So I am introducing it because this was my choice. Hopefully, you'll learn, listen, learn, listen to the last one. Um, if this is your first time here, the group of us get together, and we talk about Disney films based on one category. The group of us is obviously the wonderful Megan, the wonderful Mike, and the wonderful Dan. It's a little compliment for you all. You're all wonderful. Um <laughs> Rather than mean names, uh, <laughs> we'll get around to calling each other mean things later. Uh, and we we take Disney films and we talk about them. The format for this is slightly different for this episode because of the category I chose, which was cartoon crushes. So I want to talk about the <laughs> cartoons, cartoon characters we had crushes on when we were watching Disney films. And it's all Disney, obviously, because it's Disney discussions. So I think we should just dive straight into it. I haven't really thought about... Well, actually, first thoughts. Did anybody feel like a bit uncomfortable when I raised this? Were you like, oh, we shouldn't fancy cartoons? Whereas I'm like, yeah, I'm all up for fancying <laughs> cartoons. Hot, hot, hot. I mean, I have I know people who only fancy cartoons. <laughs> so for me, it wasn't that strange. Uh, but no, for me... I'm, it's one of those things, though. I mean, I think it depends what you grow up with, um, mm. because like I think a lot of I think in nerdy culture, cartoons and animation is a lot more accepted. So when you read comics or, or when you watch, like me, I think of X Men the animated series or Rogue um, and Gambit. Who I exactly, think yeah. So it's like things. you can get really well drawn when it's well proportioned in the right way. You know, you can get <laughs> you can you can have a lot you're, of animation. You've got Mike. You've got nowhere. You're allowed- you're yeah. allowed to like animated characters that have big tits, Mike. It's okay. So. No, I know. I mean, Soul Calibur Four, I think, comes. Well, to mind we're, we're going to get onto your and also course. your choice. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say you've not got a leg to I mean, stand up, Mike. Yeah, well, mine before. is definitely like walking well, like, sex, cinched waist, what and the biggest boobs ever. She was not my number one. Everyone, I will get to that. She was not my number one. So she was. She's actually my number two. She's my backup. Uh, right. Um, sure, to be sure. honest with you, but no, what I, a I, backup. I She'd love that. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm doing, uh, without saying who it is, it's doing a terrible job, so I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe you should, well, maybe that's the segue for Maybe for you we should start. go, you should go first. Yeah, I've got yeah. no okay. particular order. So right. Mike went for one of the most obvious choices. Yes, you I did. Us, um, so I went for Jessica Rabbit, uh, which is probably most people's even in modern day. Um, but I will clarify that although this is Disney discussions, my actual number one cartoon crush was Lola Bunny um, from Space Jam. Uh I had a massive crush on her. I think it's the eyes. I don't know. Just have but... a thing for rabbits. <laughs> Jessica Rabbit isn't a rabbit. She's got the surname rabbit. Yeah, I don't like the fluffy tail, but it's just, just Lola just, Bunny has a lot of This is why you love bun buns. <laughs> I think bunny rabbits are like my favourite animal, but not for that reason. You know, I think they're adorable and cute. Does she know? have the just does she have the sex sex drive of a rabbit as well? Like just at it depends it if it's the sex drive or is it the procreation element? Because that amount of procreation that rabbits do is not that sexy to me. Um, but no, I mean, it's, with Lo- Lola Bunny, it was 
it was the way she held herself. I've always been into uh, confident women, be it animated or, or otherwise. Confident, strong, often tall women. So that's a thing I've spoken before, like Ted Lasso, um, Hannah Waddington. Yeah. Who's obviously I mean, in other stuff and she hosted Eurovision and things recently. We all fancy her, don't we? Yeah. I mean, it's just the, the way I, I think me and Dan, we both described a woman, uh, a trait of women that we quite like is Amazonian. You know, very, very tall, you know, can take care of himself, could probably beat us up. But, you know. Definitely. That's and the, that's and in some thing. ways, in some ways, I'd prefer that. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily prefer. I don't want a woman to beat me up. That's not really my jam. But it's it's just something Challenge I've noticed about accepted. myself. You definitely could. I mean, you have thighs that could crush like human skulls. I so. have thighs that are like the walnut, like nut. Nutcracker. Yeah, yeah, that's what we call your thighs. Like Cena Me- on a top from Bond. <laughs> Mega, Mega, I can only get so aroused. <laughs> Let's just calm it down with the thighs. So, I mean, obviously there's going to be some objectification yes. in this podcast. So I, I, I think, like, this is all a bit of fun, everybody. Like, it's okay to fancy people and think people are hot all of our listeners there's going to be a little bit of objectification but i imagine there's other reasons why we all fancy these characters as well apart from mike who's just gone purely no i will clarify <laughs> lola's number one okay she is i mean but you can't do her but so. i will say with jessica rabbit Jessica, obviously she's tr- drawn very well but one of the things that i now this is gonna make me sound like i objectify women one of the things i didn't realize about jessica rabbit in my memory was how much of a strong woman she was and how actually she literally says at one point, I don't like all this attention. This is the way I was drawn, which obviously is very clever. And it's like a lot of women who look that way. Granted, the thing she wears is very provocative and she works at like a bur- like a singing show, burlesque But that's, just, that's still just how she's drawn. She's drawn yeah. in those clothes. No, of she course. She can't change her clothes. I so mean, you- I think cartoons can change their clothes, can't they? She, cause she had that she had that ninety thing that she was found when um, the main bloke kept looking a valiant kept looking through keyholes and then he saw she was holding up the the pink nighty thing so I think she can change the clothing but the nighty was even smaller oh, than what she was like, wearing. But anyway. how does that work? Does she like have to rub herself out and be redrawn? I think I think the way cartoons <laughs> would take things off. In my perception, it's just they look two D, but they're actually three D. Because I mean, they can they, can, they can pull out items out of nowhere. If you want to go into the rules of cartoonery, it's going to be... Well, it depends what kind of cartoon, though, True, it? true. Yes, because if we go into the, you know, off to the east, there's a lot of uh, cartoon sexualization, isn't there? Uh, without going too far into hentai. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> it's... With Jessica Rabbit, I found that on this watch especially... She specifically, she like takes charge of her own body and her own sexuality, but she, at no point is she the victim. At no point, like she, her husband's the one who gets captured. He's the one who gets framed. She's the one who's just valiant. I mean, she captures her husband at one point. <laughs> she's like a badass. She She's a badass and she's like, yeah, people look at me this way, so I'm just going to kind of use it to my advantage. Men are always looking at my chest, you know, all these sorts of things. She does have that flirtatious, obviously, side to her, but she uses that to manipulate people to do what they want but she's not a bad person so it's kind of like hey i've got these very large breasts and i'm drawn like a perfect hourglass men are going to fawn over me and objectify me so i'm going to use that because that's going to happen no matter what to help myself to help you know my husband and the thing is with her what i like is that roger rabbit is so so annoying but he is a good person but he's so annoying and she just loves him so much and she even says to valiant she's like i would do anything for my husband you know anything at all and it's these kind of elements which is like she is 
it's almost and I think they kind of hint at it in the film but I think what they're trying to say is she's almost like the perfect woman in air quotes you know she's got the looks that people uh, want she's very strong she'll do anything for her husband which obviously a lot of men want but she's not just like completely subservient she does actually do her own thing she can fight for herself so she's just got all these layers to her um not what she wears she seems to only wear one thing but she has lots of layers to her as a person as a character that i found watching this as an adult i was like yeah there's you know drawn boobs i mean i don't I've, I've always had a bit of a disconnect with that when it comes to you know fancying when it comes to the way something's drawn in a certain way it's more about the personality aspect of things just because i can't get out of my head seeing like a, a an, an overweight old man drooling while drawing a pair of tits and then my mind that disconnect to go these are just two circles and suddenly they're tits and it just changes and immediately becomes sexual and so in my mind the, the sexualization of cartoons is nothing against anyone who finds them sexy but for me I, there's always been that kind of i can't not think about the person who's drawn them so that always puts me off but her as a person as a character i did um i did like um what about you megan your fem- well well first first oh, i would like Sorry, to ask you what was, so what was your first memory of jessica rabbit um to be fair it was when i was quite young because this film came out um let me see 1988 so it was before i was even born so i i, I think <laughs> it was before sorry guys um, that, I was, think... that was that was the year i was born so nice <sighs> i mean i was only six but still come on still. Yeah, you know someone has to be the you know the oldest the wise person here you know <laughs> oh smooth yeah yeah <laughs> see what um, you did pull it, pulling it back it's pulling yeah. it back. <laughs> but I, I think my earliest memory of I never really, watching it now, especially because I haven't watched this film in over 10 years, the amount of innuendo and the amount of stuff they got away with is insane. But I think it's because back then they didn't have PG-13 slash 12. It was either PG or is R-rated. There was no in between. So things like Ghostbusters and that sort of stuff, they're like, okay, let's push the limit. You know, Let's have shit said loads of times. Let's have sexual innuendo without overt nudity and things like that. Although there's alcoholism in this film quite heavily, which I found quite mm. surprising. But And a lot of smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the kids have got cigarettes at one point. <laughs> they yeah, they give him one. The of, yeah. That's like, um, oh, wow. But I think because... It's when he's like, thanks for the cigarettes, and they're like, any time. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're like seven. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's because when I was younger and I watched this, because I'd always watched it growing up and things, I never... Although I was like, oh, I like... I like it when Jessica Rabbit's on screen, but I can't think, I don't know why. I remember having the realization of being attracted to women when I was, I think I was about eight or nine, and I saw Jessica Simpson's These Boots Are Made for Walking video. And I remember watching it. And I remember watching it, and I was like, (laughs) I really like this music video, but I don't like the music, and I don't know why. And I kept watching the video over and over again. I was like, you know, this is, kids, this is before YouTube. This is when you just had to go on the music channels and hope the music video would show up. Um, and I remember catching to it. Mike point. saying that is like, that was really long ago. Kids, you had to go on MTV. And yeah. I'm like, Ooh. guys. Well, that was what, 10 plus years ago. Now. Your VHS used to run out. I mean, Phelps will know this. I like, owned VHSs. We, we owned VHSs. I still have some upstairs. I had Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I know, Stone. but you're yeah. I had Star like, Wars. No, but it was, it was a joke. It, it was just for, you know, the newer generation won't know, you know, what... I mean, we even spoke to someone, didn't In we? In the we, long, long ago, they once had boxes that contained films. We went out drinking... Uh, I mean, there are kids at work that don't know what VHS tapes are. We went out yeah, drinking... because they're uh, like proper kids. Yeah. Well, we went out drinking with, recently, and I won't say the names or anything, but a friend of yours, one of their friends that I had met prior, she was, what, 19? She's 19, yeah. And she didn't know what a VHS was. 
Love it. So it's, I mean, I think if you are 19 now, you probably would have a peripheral idea what a VHS is, but still. So I, I meant that as a joke, but it was like, I don't want people thinking, oh yeah, I was on YouTube watching the same video over and over again, like a little griever. I wasn't doing that. It was just <laughs> when it would come up. YouTube didn't exist at the time. No, I would just <laughs> flick through channels and hope. Did. <laughs> yeah, probably. But then I just remember one point, I think when I was probably near 10 or 11, I kind of, when those feelings start to come out and you actually get taught about it because I went to a Catholic Ooh. primary school so I got very little information about it um, but when I think I kind of had that realisation with that. this explains a lot Mike thank you <laughs> yeah um, but before that time um, before <laughs> Boots Are Made For Organ video <laughs> transformative experience um, before that I think it was just I liked her you know I, I, I remember fancying Lola Bunny a bit and thinking wouldn't it be cool if she was real and I'd love to you know meet her or whatever but at that age i didn't have there was no sexuality to it so i just remember her being in the film and i I remember the music the kind of the sexy jazz almost music playing i remember that but obviously being that age i never had any realization what was the patty cake thing when we get to my pick my pick is i was completely charmed by the character i didn't Mm. know that that meant Mm. i fancied them yeah so you know that's a good way of putting it yeah because it's like with all that like there's the whole patty cake scene like what that's all about and obvious and the way they do it is so funny and so clever and when i was younger when, I, didn't when get I, that. I i definitely did watch this film when i was i remember it being on when it was like christmas time it was one yes christmas. It was definitely a christmas film and when it was the patty cake bit in my head i was like well obviously they're having sex like when we watched it like <laughs> yesterday i was like well yeah. they're having sex and then you see the pictures and they're like i was like oh they're actually yeah they're, they're playing patty cake it's <laughs> <was> like <laughs> Okay. It's like the Bugsy Malone thing when they're throwing pies in each other's faces, and that indicates death. But they didn't want to show oh, it. Yeah, just, when they're using yeah. the, the, well, the, if, uh, it the cream off, pistols. Yeah, it starts off with literally a cream pie in the face, and then it starts into the Tommy guns and pistols. It's that sort of thing, and I'm just like, nowadays with twelve A's, especially no spoilers, but especially with like things like Guardians of the Galaxy that we recently watched, which was should be a fifteen. Surprising to be amount, brilliant of movie. But there's a lot in there that was like, Jesus, it's hard to watch and I'm nearly 30. And when it came to like films before there was the middle ground of PG-13, 12, films had to be quite clever. I think more clever because nowadays it's just like you can almost get away with anything. But I think those days with Bugsy Malone and with um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you have to be so clever with some of the things you do. And I just thought it was so brilliant the way they did it. But yeah, Jessica Rabbit, I just remember her being really cool and something about her that I liked. And throughout the film, she does show up in the film quite a bit. And really, it's Valiant who's a Muppet and doesn't know what he's doing and keeps getting everything wrong. And she's switched on. She knows who's go- who the bad guy is from the start. She knows exactly every moment of the way. She's a step ahead of everyone, but no one listens to her. So it's one of those things I just think she's a powerful... And also, I think, apart from Doris, who obviously, she's fairly old. She's not, like, old, old. But, you know, an eight-year-old boy, unless you're Dan, probably wouldn't fancy a woman of that age you know so i think she's the only real echo real doris the guy dolores yeah yeah, yeah. dolores sorry dolores um doris yeah, doris she... is an old name she's not that old no but she's probably 40 it is years. 1947 guys remember that's when the film is set <laughs> well the film set in 1947 but still I... oh man sneezing away i'm not gonna edit this out i'm gonna keep this in <laughs> <laughs> she's allergic to all my bullshit that's the problem hey. um, apologies everyone i'm not feeling very okay. well <laughs> but yeah i, I just I'm, think i'm gonna, the only woman in it as well i'm gonna help mike with this because i i do think he's struggling a little bit to defend his choice just a little so this film works because it's a film noir mm-hmm. okay it's a film noir yeah we've got all the cartoony stuff and all the kind of 
you know, like, hey, look, Mickey's on screen at the same time as Bugs is. Wow, look at this. But the film and the story and the structure works because it's your Chinatown, it's your Maltese Falcon, it's all those classic film noirs. And Jessica Rabbit falls in to the femme fatale archetype. It just so happens she's a cartoon. That's mm-hmm. that's what they're playing with there. They're they're playing with what she is, what she does. And again, in a in a regular film noir, it would be sex, but in this, because it's a cartoon. But however, Roger's reaction is the exact same reaction you would expect from someone having sex. And he goes, ah, 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 and all that, but just you know, to the cartoon extreme. And I think this film has a, has a lot of layers because of that. I think because of its, of its maturity. Again, some of the themes we're looking at, we're looking at um, deprived and you know desperate people, alcoholics in the bar all the time. There's a lot of like kind of racism as well. Like you could yeah. put you could put any kind of group in the tunes category. Um, you know, be it LGBTQ plus or you know black, Hispanic, whatever. You know. You could put them in that and you can see where that's coming from and you can see the basis. And I think if you'd seen if you've seen a few film noirs, you'd kind of see how well it works as a film noir as well. Um, but I, I've always really enjoyed this film. I can see why Mike is is attracted to Jessica Rabbit. I I see it as well. Obviously, you know, it's the but it is obviously overtly sexual because the they're proving that. These men have fan. They're like, oh, who wants to see a tune? Who wants to? Who fancies a tune this much? And then they see her and they go, oh my god, she is gorgeous and she's everything that the idealized woman would look like at that time. You know, the big bust, the big breasts and bum and and tiny waist. And again, it's that it's that. And Betty Boop, who was in that scene, was a sexualized character when around that time. Like people were going and like hooting and hollering, like woo woo woo, and she's you know doing a little sexy dance. And that was at the time their version of of the sexy cartoon character. So they're kind of playing with the history, the post war history, the those original cartoons that were being made at the time, the film noirs that were made, being made at the time, and it's this wonderful kind of slapstick noir film um but yeah I, I agree with mike i think she has a lot of personality she's voiced by kathleen turner who has got a sexy voice let's let's call it what it is but the my crush has got another actress with a very sexy voice as well uh i like husky voices so uh, again again i can't <laughs> i can't blame mike for for picking uh jessica rabbit in a sense um but yeah, I I really really like this film on on those levels as well, and you know having fun with those tropes of of the film noir and playing around with what's cartoony and what isn't. Um, but yeah, those two worlds you wouldn't think would meet. And like I can imagine a lot of filmmakers trying to make those worlds work and intertwine in the way they do, but they really do work. Um, and I think that's why the film is so strong. It's because of that. I was worried that when I chose this film, because um, I looked through Disney's entire animated discography trying to find a character that I had any vague recollection of fancying, and this was the only one. And although it's not technically Disney, you know, it's uh, Touchstone, and then it's also distributed by Buena Vista, and it's on Disney Plus, and it's. I mean, the, those are, those companies are both owned, created, and founded by Disney. Exactly. So yeah, arguably, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and it's something we've talked about before in what falls under the Disney canon as well. Yeah, so, it's you like know. the Muppets as well. Yeah. Although Muppets is now owned by it, but I, I was a bit worried about choosing this film because I was like, hey, what if Jessica Rabbit has the personality of how she looks? That's gonna 
be not ideal. And then what if the film doesn't hold up? That's what I was worried about. And then it starts and it, it goes 100 miles an hour, the entire film. There's barely a second to breathe. But it's it's so clever in so many ways. And I was like, because I posted when I shared it on social media, I was like, it's one of the greatest animated films of all time. And then there was a point and I was like, have I oversold it? And is this actually, <laughs> am I going to look like a dick? And then I finished it. I was like, you know what? It's not my favorite animated film, but I think of what it is and what they did. It just hits every nail on the head. And it is just, it's beyond clever in so many ways. And the only films that are close to it is Space Jam, which I really like Space Jam, but we rewatched it last year. It's nowhere near as clever at all. It's kind of like learning the wrong lessons from this film in a lot of ways, even though I think it's a fun movie you know Lola Bunny's in it um but then you've got Looney Tunes back in action as well which is another one and then you've got Space Jam Legacy and they again miss the mark a bit so I think I don't know if you two know of any other films that are that have got cartoons and live action mixed in are, are there many of them oh Beds of Broomsticks I suppose is one of the first yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mary, Poppins Mary Poppins is, yeah yeah oh that's a good point that's probably the first isn't it yeah, I, th- I think that was maybe one of the first. I think I think there's a few here and there, but it's very. Yeah. I think the te- the techniques they were using in this was really interesting because they had like they had the actors really there, much like they do now with green screen, blue screen. They had the actors there in special. Um, the guy who plays Roger Rabbit was actually there in a rabbit costume. And, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, and he had him, you know, all dressed up because they needed something because this was like in its kind of early days, so. There was very kind of rudimentary technology, like when they're waving the real guns around, like the weasels, those guns are on strings. So, mm. and then they're animating around that. So it was kind of, it was groundbreaking, I think, in many, in many categories. Um, you know, the deal between Disney and Warner Bros to have those characters mm-hmm. appear on the, on the screen together is something you wouldn't, I don't think you will ever, ever see again. Um, because it, was, it must have been that airtight a contract. You know, it's it's like getting Marvel and DC to do a film together. It's just not going to happen. But yeah. it was a one-in-a-million type scenario. And luckily, the film turned out very well as well. So I think before we move on, because we've talked about this one for quite a while now, Megan, how how did you find watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Jessica Rabbit specifically within the film? I'm so, I just don't understand how her dress stays up. <laughs> it's like the entire time I was watching, I was like, "How, how, how is that dress staying up?" Like, but um, sorry, I'm gonna cough. <coughs> um, yeah, this film was a weird one for me because we started watching it, and I was like, "I'm not really that fussed," to be honest. It's very slapsticky, so for me, like slapstick comedy. I find a bit annoying after a while, but once it got, I got into it a bit more, I did start to enjoy it. Jessica Rabbit, I feel like it's kind of predictable in a sense because where she is so like sultry and like promiscuous, you kind of think there has to be something more to her character. I than don't think she just is promiscuous that. though, is she? When we're first introduced to introduced to her in the club, she comes across as very yeah, sexy because obviously she's singing, isn't she? She's trying to lure people into for paying customers and whatnot. Um, and the way she acts valiant as well, like the, the, the main director got like she gets really up close to him and she puts a lot of her yeah, like when she's singing, she like like brushes his her arm around him yeah. and all of that stuff. So, but yeah, I thought her as a character was quite cool. It was nice that she like had a bit more to her than just the fact that she had big boobs and a big bum and a tiny little waist. <laughs> but, yeah. And a weird nose. 
Oh, I yes, mean, I didn't, I didn't figure out, I didn't really look at her nose. We're, we're too, Most people aren't looking at her nose. I think that's probably the thing. <laughs> she's on me. screen. It's not... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's so interesting, a hot feminist take from Rhea, um, watching it now and how she weaponizes her mm. sexuality to survive. She cannot change the way that she looks. She can only be in certain types of films, right, because of the way she looks. So what does she have to do to survive, to make a living? She has to work in that club and sing and get human men, because tunes aren't allowed in, to pay to see her. That's the only way. She knows that men will put her in compromising positions to bribe her. She's not a fool. She knows that and she weaponizes that throughout the whole film. And, you know, we in I'm about to do a comparison to Who Framed Roger Rabbit to Gone Girl. Okay, so in Gone Girl, okay, okay. Amy Dunn talks about the cool girl. And she talks about how in her different relationships, she has to pretend to be somebody else. It's only with Ben Affleck. I know that's not his character's name, but I really <laughs> like to do it. Um, that she gets to be herself, which is basically the sociopath, psychopath character, right? And Jessica Rabbit gets to be herself with Roger, which is loving and smoochy and caring and a bit silly but she can't expose that side to anybody else because that makes her vulnerable. So she has to constantly keep up this act of being sexy. She's doing it with Valiant. You know, she knows what she's doing. When she comes out of his apartment and he's with Dolores and, and she's coming out, she knows that she's going to leave them having an argument. She sits there in the car when she sees them come out arguing, she smiles and she's pleased because this is the part she has to play every single day. And women, we have to play parts all the time. When a man is flirting with us and we don't want them to, we have to be nice to them so that they won't attack us or rape us or follow us home and things like that. Like she's she she is just weaponizing that experience. And I actually think that's really empowering. And I love, you know, I think that line is iconic. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. But when you actually look down at what that is, you know, and you think about how women every single day, people talk about our appearances much like we are, but for a very specific purpose, you know, it's so interesting. And it's so interesting that this was made in a film back then and it was done knowingly. Like, I don't think they just stumbled along how they want her character and how we want to view her in 2023. And I think that's so interesting. I think there's another, all the female characters we're about to talk about, we're about to talk about actually have a semblance of that, even in like Megan's, Megan has chosen a man. But the female character in that, I think if you reframe how you think about her, it's the same sort of thing and the same with Dan's pick. So, Mike, you've gone, let's go for. One of us ladies. Do you want to go next, Megan, or shall I? I don't mind. You Where go for it. Do your pick. Alrighty. I, I'm kind of the same as Mike. I didn't really have... I don't need you to show me what film I chose. I just <laughs> some of the notes that we put together. <laughs> okay. I just thought you'd take the helm. <laughs> I, was thinking, I thought you were just showing me the notes <laughs> for the film, being like, this is what you picked. I'm like, yeah, thank Mike, you. Mike is the Roger Rabbit in this situation. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I was kind of the same. I didn't really have like a cartoon crush, so to speak. I said to Mike, the only one that I could think of was Casper the Friendly Ghost. And that's only because the kid in that movie kind of has like an awakening of like romance, doesn't she, when Casper becomes a human? So I was like, oh, 
that's a thing. But yeah, so I chose. I mean, we've all of- wanted to shag a ghost before. <laughs> um, come on, get some hot ghosts out there. Are, are, are there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, Ghostbusters. There's the famous blowjob scene. Uh, so I guess, I guess Dan Aykroyd's character definitely wants to shag a ghost. It's a, it's a, dr- it's a dream. It's a dream. That I mean, particular one. Vampires, yes, but ghosts. Yeah, it's definitely hot ghosts out there. Sorry, hot Megan. Ghosts. Carry on. No, with your all right. Pick. Um, so I went through, <laughs> and I chose the Little Mermaid, and I chose Prince Eric. And the recording, we're Good talking choice. about the anime. Oh yeah, I'm talking about the anime. I know it's cartoon version. crushes, but this is going to come out right around the time the live action one does. So we haven't seen the live action one, friends. Mm. Don't know how good looking Eric is in that one. Well, I have no idea. Well, yeah, to I be d- fair, I don't know who the cast is. No need to no one, knows, <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> um, yeah, Eric's hot still. He's still hot. So hot. So is so is. Um, Ariel's dad Triton <laughs> Triton is really beautiful as well like he came on screen and I was like yeah he's kind of hot too you were like that wasn't quite how you said it yeah. it wasn't even quite the same pitch well, oh, I'm sorry but that's what you've written on your notes what happened was she was like she went <laughs> Triton's quite attractive as well isn't he he is like, yeah. Yeah, he gives me Zeus vibes from Hercules he's got Ooh. big daddy vibes that's it he's, got, he's um, ridiculously ripped with a big old beard and it's like but he has no belly button true but he does have he does have nipples though because that yeah. that's always suspiciously missing from a lot of animated male characters mm. is, is nipples. He has nipples but no belly button. But she uh, Ariel has a belly button, yeah. which is weird. But you, you can't see vibes as well. We don't get to see her nipples. That's that's so, a shame. So if you had to choose <laughs> Megan, would you now, upon reflection, choose King Triton or Eric? I would still choose Eric. Okay. Why? Why is that? Triton's a bit of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Eric, like, is just like. He he jumps onto like a fucking burning boat to save his dog. Yeah, like, I know that is sexy. I'm just like, come on, like, Gosh. I'm like doggy, like saving the doggy. <laughs> the whole time that you were pointing out, because I, I, I was like, he's a badass. He like he is. He jumps onto the boat to to save the dog, and then ends up like being swept ashore himself. He also like is just super nice and kind. And then he also... He doesn't want to get with loads of random women. He doesn't want to get with loads of random women. He's waiting for the person that he falls in love with. And then after, obviously, he's had the spell cast upon him and it's been broken and whatnot, he then jumps into the fucking ocean to go and save Ariel. (laughs) Like, he is a legend. And he's not ashamed that a girl saved him. He says it. He openly says, I was saved by a girl. Now, I was like, I'd never, like picked up on that before and I was like dude that is hot yeah like he's just got no he's got no ego he's just like yeah this is just who I am and I'm cool with it I like that he doesn't he gets stuck in like with the sailing he's not Mm. he's not like Mm. you sailor men you sail you do this shit uh, he's well in there. He's up on the rigging. He's doing all the shit. And he hates the statue of himself. I love yep. how much yeah. he's that like. What the fuck is this statue? Yeah. <laughs> and also, also, up until he get, has the fake wedding or the almost wedding, he doesn't dress like a prince either. He dresses like mm. a regular dude. Yeah. Which I, which I, I was like, yeah, he's he's a he's a man of the people. And people I pointed out in our chat, he is hotter in his shipwreck clothes. Than he is in oh, his yeah. wedding clothes. Way hotter. Yeah. I was like, what are we doing with these wedding clothes? I don't need that. You're like Beast at the end of Beauty and the Beast when he's a man. Ooh, get away. <laughs> we go, I prefer him in his, in his tattery clothing when he's oh, ripped, oh, like, dressed yeah. up a short. Ah, the, oh, the tattery. The tattery. <laughs> I love you and your tatteries. <laughs> Feel yeah, me no. on tatteries. I stand by Prince Eric. I, I, I loved this film, rewatching it. I forgot how much I loved it. 
I really, I like genuinely I, loved it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. I remember not liking this one when I was younger, um, but then I used to hate most musicals, so that's probably why. But I was like, I remember Under the Sea. I said, I even wrote Under the Sea is still a banger. Like, still, it's so iconic, so much fun. And the film, it feels really nicely compact, I think, as well. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like it goes on. Whereas mm-hmm. there's certain Disney films we've watched, some of them in this very show, mainly the sequels, where they go in and you get about 40 minutes in and you're like, this is about a shoestring. This is like, there's nothing to this plot and they're dragging over nothing at the same repeated plot points. I thought that, you know, Little Mermaid was surprisingly really, the beats worked really well. The music worked well. The vast majority of it's well. There's a few little bits. It's like, yeah. I mean, the but, silly stuff is just the fact that they like fall in love so quickly. Like three, three days. That's the big problem, isn't it? Yeah, but... Depends who you're falling in love with. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also set in the, like, mid-1800s. Yeah. So, But but also, as you pointed out, Ursula in this is a badass. And she's one of the all-time most iconic villains. Ursula, I I distinctly remember scaring the shit out of me as a child. Um, I I think on our, like, PC, we had kind of like a storybook game where it would tell the, the story of The Little Mermaid. And I distinctly remember always skipping the bit that was when she became huge in the ocean because it used to really scare me. When her face comes out and it's smiling. It's terrifying. It's, that like, is, and yeah. the size of her is colossal. Yeah, and then you've got like tiny little Prince Eric trying to save Ariel against this like machine of a like octopus lady. But again, he saves the day, doesn't he? Yeah, he does save mm-hmm. the bloody day because he's a legend. With his big <laughs> big boat dick. And he stabs, he stabs <laughs> it. I mean, it is so his Big dick. boat dick. It's it a big boat so dick. His dick. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, I, I, I think I've said this before, like I used to, when I was a child, I used to watch this on repeat. Um, I did go back to it a few years ago and I, 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 I watched it directly with Beauty and the Beast. I don't think it's as good as Beauty and the Beast for me. However, Ariel swam so Belle could run. You don't get, we don't get to Beauty and the Beast without the little mermaid and the little mermaid was drastically important we've talked about you know the dark days of disney and the disney renaissance and this was this kicked it all off um i think the the songs are uh all of them are great i think so I, I think i don't think there's a bad song in this um jody benson's beautiful her voice gorgeous. is unbelievable mm. is that ariel yeah, yeah. i yeah. saw a clip of it's not well, it's it, it's Halle Berry, but it's not Halle Berry, isn't it? What's it's it? Was Haley Bailey? No, no, it's Halle Bailey. Halle Bailey. Bailey. I saw a clip of like original Ariel hugging new Ariel on the Beautiful. like red carpet, being like, "You're doing such a good job," and I was like, "Ah, that's nice." Yeah, love it. Sorry, yeah. Dan, interrupted you. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I yeah, I think it's great. I think uh, the story moves along at a pace. I think um, I think it's very uh, obviously the the writer of the music was was a gay man. I think it's Alan Menken. I want to say, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's just wonder. All of this stuff is wonderful. I think I can see why it has a large you know LGBTQ plus following as well. I can just I can see all the kind of everything that would would tie in with that and that experience. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful film. The songs are beautiful. Song. 
Um, I, you know, some some of the characters I don't necessarily mm. I don't think they necessarily need to be there. What are the I French think, the French chef who's not the most horrendous? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. That. Oh my god! That yeah. was when I watched that. I was like, this is the most offensive part of this film. Yeah. I was like, this is horrendous. And obviously the can can was playing in the background. I was yeah, like, because we can't have any other music apart from no, the can can. Sure, surely not. Surely <laughs> is that, not. Was it? Uh, what's the Oh, I've, I've completely bit. There's that one really famous French song with a woman singing. Is it Mon Coeur or something or other? Oh, Genera. Oh, yeah. 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 That yeah. Le Vie that... en Rose. Le yeah, Rose. those two yeah. are just the French songs that I yeah, always so that's think it. of. Just the French songs. That's all they have. That's all they have in France. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't have a, they don't have a litany of art or anything like that. No, <laughs> just those two songs. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great. Uh, I've, I actually enjoyed it more on this watch than my previous watch. I, I find, again, every time I come back to a film, I appreciate it or I look at it in a different way or with, or with different eyes, you know, years more of experience or something. So it was really nice to revisit this. And, it, and Mike's right. It goes along like, like the clappers and, and, but we never, and nothing ever feels wasted or rushed or, or we've missed an opportunity to tell the story or to say something. Um, you know, poor unfortunate souls is a absolute banger of a villain song as well. Um, I, I like that kind of double dealing. Um, and, uh, Ursula was based on a drag queen as well. Divine, um, mm. quite famous drag queen. Um, but yeah, just everything about it is, is just fantastic. And Prince Eric is voiced by my Spider-Man, the 90s Spider-Man. So uh, so I'm going to find him sexy. <laughs> covered, covered in all those sticky webs, but it's, it's the same voice. It's like there's no difference. It's not like I'm a new character. Um, it's just like he's Peter Parker is his Prince Eric. Um, his, his Spider-Man's a bit deeper, I think. He's got like a bit more of a superhero gruffness to it. But uh, but yeah, but no, I think it, it's a powerful film and it remains a powerful film. And I think it's one of the best Disney films that they've ever made. Yeah, it's a film that I was obsessed with when I was younger. I was absolutely obsessed with it. I was one of those kids, we talked about this, I think, when we talked about Beauty and the Beast, where I never wanted to be the blonde princess. And so when Belle was there with her brown hair, it was very exciting. But I did always, always as a kid want to have red hair. I was like, red hair is the most beautiful thing that's ever existed. Yeah, I'm still obsessed with it as a grown-up, I think. Red hair and ginger is just just absolutely gorgeous look at me just objectifying all the redheads um so <laughs> obviously Rhea, just... it's better than slagging them off and <laughs> telling them that they have yeah. no souls <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely so... what on you did um <laughs> on my show oh gosh so that's obviously I was, I was obsessed with that but i also uh in, until you talked about eric megan i was like oh my god i think i've really fancied eric and i never sort of realized and i've watched it a lot now as an adult my four-year-old loves the little mermaid it's not her favorite but like so I've had to watch it a lot and you know she gets into stages if she's watched Frozen once we now have to watch it 20 times until she moves <laughs> on to something else so we've had the same with the mermaid and I really avoided her watching it because I do think there are some arguments about how it's problematic how she has to lose her voice and she doesn't then really say much towards the end apart from say it's like her dad that she loves her and you know it is a you know she is somewhat passive but having watched it a lot with my daughter I kind of disagree I kind of have a different take on it um which is that what 16 year old doesn't want to escape what 16 year old doesn't want to learn to start driving so they have a bit more freedom you know what 16 year old isn't looking for their place in the world and their parents 
even if you've got the best parents in the world, they still love you and they're still protective of you, don't want you to transition into becoming a grown-up. Like Britney Spears said it, I'm not a girl, I'm not yet a woman. And that is what, gone girl and Britney Spears, this is where I'm at. <laughs> and, and, this, you know, and this is what Ariel is trying to do. She is trying to figure out her place in the world. The world is forcing her to choose between the two. They're putting her, the world's two worlds are putting her in that difficult position, which is exactly why I think for LGBTQI plus people, this film's really important because she, all she wants to do is figure it out for herself and nobody is giving her the space. Nobody's providing her with any support or any guidance. And does Eric just fancy her for her voice? No, he fancies her because she bloody saved him. Like, that's so badass that he's like, oh, like he's like this... This woman just like came out of the ocean and saved me. That's pretty awesome. Like he is a beefy guy. Like you see her struggling to pull him to the beach and then he likes her. I mean, it, the, the fact that he likes her when she can't talk is kind of problematic. Let's, let's say that it is. But she's finding other ways to communicate and express herself. And, and what I like about him, what I fancy about him is he doesn't dismiss that. Not from the start. He doesn't dismiss anything that she does, ever. Yeah, because she does really weird things. Like, yeah. if you were with her, if you were with someone and they started brushing their hair with a fork, you'd be like, I'd, what the I'd, I'd find that pretty funny, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that sort of shit, so, you know. <laughs> that, that could have ended your relationship right there, Mike, if you started. Because yeah. that would have been weird. Just so weird. <laughs> I did it with a spoon initially, so it's, nah, so it's not too bad. Like spaghetti. Yeah, spaghetti. <laughs> I will say with this film is um, I raised an issue which Megan pointed out something quite good, um, which I'll say just one sec. Punch and Judy was in this, which I really Mm. liked for a split second. And Americans don't really know what Punch and Judy really is. Uh, Because I spoke to Michael McCormick, who was the puppeteer on Labyrinth and Dark Crystal and uh, Return of the Jedi and stuff. And he's the only member of the Punch and Judy Society in in America. Because over in the UK, it's a big thing at Seasides and stuff. So I liked that. But obviously you pointed out it's, I think you said like Denmark or... Well, Europe, they, they have it in Europe. other European countries yeah, as well. Because in, in, it- in Italy, yeah. they've got Giupino, which is like their own version of that yeah. thing. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it comes from the Commedia dell'arte, I think, and right. the kind of archetypes from that have, have gone all over. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that also the reason it's not so big is it is quite problematic. Yeah, it's very of, abusive. I remember I mean, watching it. It's it, about him being his wife and killing yeah, his yeah, child. Watching it when you're like with eight-year-olds. And going, and going to hell. Yeah, um, I distinctly remember one Punch and Judy one that I watched and he turned his child into a sausage. Like he put the child through a mm. sausage. Oh, machine. I remember that. I think I saw the same one. Maybe down Weymouth. No, I, yeah, <laughs> and like sometimes he drowns his child and puts yeah, yeah. them in a barrel and like chucks them in a river and stuff like but that. But it's puppets, so it's bad. funny. Ha ha. Um, that that <laughs> wasn't the thing. I was pointing out I was just going to say with the the thing that Megan corrected me on was or pointed out was I was like my issue was that being in love like immediately more so her but then Megan was like to be fair teenagers both men and women immediately the the moment they have any slight the the flutter almost I'm in love completely and it's like sorry sorry sorry, I'm interrupting you it's not even just teenagers though like for me, I, I, I can agree with that. <laughs> but like, not even, <laughs> not even the point that you get to being a teenager. Like, the my first love that I can think of was Jack from Titanic. I was mm. in love with Jack from Titanic. I wasn't in love with Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. I was in love with Jack from Titanic, and I had like a fucking T-shirt with his face on it. Like, I was obsessed with Jack from Titanic, and like 
when when kids start going out it is it is like that they they do go head over heels like immediately um and also yeah like Rhea said she wants to get away from her parents she chooses to give her way a voice and then so that she can be with the person that she's obviously like obsessed with that she's never met before. Well, linking in with that and what both Dan and Maria have said about the LGBTQ plus community is that it's basically saying to integrate yourself into Equit's normal society, you have to lose your voice. And for even nowadays in certain places, but you know, for decades and decades, especially in the UK before the seventies, you know, that's what homosexual had to do. That's why Polari, the gay rhyming slang, that's why it existed. Cause you had to speak in a language that other people didn't understand to know that you're, so the layer, I'd never thought of that before you two both uh, mentioned that, but it's a very interesting perspective. So this film, before going into it, this was the one I was the most, not resistant to, but I was like, I have to watch the little so mermaid. Excited. And you were excited, obviously, but I was like, apart from under the sea, I was like, don't care, don't care about this film. But then there's a dog in it and Eric's a badass. Even, and I was as, like, even as an adult. Still looks great uh, animation wise. Even as an adult, one of my biggest dreams is to find the perfect rock. And have a wave crash. Come up behind you. Oh, I'm right. so with you on that. I'm so with you. I was wondering, I was wondering where you were going with that. I knew. Like, I thought I you were right. I thought you were going to say to either like lie on and look at all your treasures because I love her cavern. It is yeah. amazing. Smash my head in with <laughs> or to have a or to have a wave. I need that when you. when it came on. I literally was sat on the sofa like. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm not getting this. <laughs> I also, before we move on, I do want to say about Eric as well. I know that the criticism is that he wants to be with a girl that he's seen once, a mute girl, you know, all of these things and all of the and all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, I do think that's when my daughter's older, that's something I'll talk to her about. We'll talk about with all of these sort of older Disney films, consent and and stuff like that. But I think, and I'm putting this to the group, Eric would totally still be with Ariel if she was a mermaid. If her dad said, I'm sorry, you need to be a mermaid, it's not going to happen. And again, it's the people around her who are forcing her to choose. Eric doesn't make her choose. Mm. People around her forcing her to choose. I reckon he'd still be with her if he was Well, I mean, yeah, he jumped into the water to save her. But yeah. I just think it doesn't matter to him. He doesn't care. It's he's like, not, lo- he's not losing her again, is he? He's not, yeah. well, also, you know. Sorry, Dan, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, I was going to say, he doesn't want to be with a mute girl, though. He wants, to be, he wants to be the woman who saved him. Mm. And he, he only realizes that when obviously Ursula, Ursula pretends to be that person because the only identifier he has is the voice. So he, he doesn't even consider Ariel is that person until she does get her voice back. She does become who she is and she is able to express herself fully. At that point, that's when he knows it's her. That's when he dives in to try and save her. And also, he's not the one pushing for a kiss. It's her, because obviously she knows about the true love kiss, which is quite rare in a film for the... Mm. So, and she and her friends are manipulating him. He's not able to consent. Yeah. Mm. Mm, Exactly. Yeah, take that. Look, Little Mermaid isn't perfect, but I think we've decided it is. Yeah, it's a a banger. I'll I'll concede and say it's a banger. I wouldn't say perfect. I I don't think I'll be. uh, To be fair, I think probably all the films we've chosen, there's going to be something in here that's kind of well. Let's move on to yours then, Tam. Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Okay. Um, Okay. So I the Hunchback of Notre Dame because I think. Uh, Rhea was going to have something I considered, and then she mentioned she was going to do it. So I thought, fair enough, I'll I'll go for something else. And I had a good think, and I thought I thought my crush will be uh, Quasimodo. No, uh, <laughs> no, my crush is Esmeralda. 
who is voiced by Demi Moore. Again, another sexy... Oh, shit. I didn't realise that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Demi Moore, right? So, you know, my complaint often is about having actor-actors being voice actors. You cannot tell with Demi Moore in this film. Her voice voice acting in this is sensational. She's the one from... Ghost. Yeah, thank you. Also, I think Demi Moore is... You knew I was referring to. the pianist. Is this... Rhea, is is this why you want to shag a ghost as well? Maybe, I mean... Oh, yeah, Patrick Swayze. I mean, I would would shag ghost Patrick Swayze, even if he is in Whoopi Goldberg's body. I'm I'm up for that. I might be more interested, I think. Uh, ditto. Um, so, yes, uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, known for being a, a darkly gothic uh, tale by Victor Hugo, um, gets the Disney treatment um, ish. Sort of. Um, I think there are I a lot mean, of. I fucking hell, this film. I love yeah, this film. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's it, it, when I first saw it. I didn't rate it, but over time, I think I've appreciated it as as time's gone on. Um, but we'll talk about Esmer- Esmeralda specifically. So she is a Romani uh, of the Romani people, and she is in a very uh, a religious rite. Uh, I think I want to say seventeen sixteen hundreds. I think uh, Notre Dame. I can't I can't be sure off the top of my head, but olden days, the olden days. Um, and it's basically run by this this judge Frollo, who is has this uh, feeling against this racial hatred and uh, religious hatred towards the Romani people in this film, and he is trying to extinguish them basically and put it in polite terms. He doesn't want them involved. And the film opens with a uh, racially aggravated murder, and uh, Frollo is forced to adopt. Um, uh, Quasimodo, who he names, which means like a malformed, I believe, uh, in the translation is, uh, because the the Church of Notre Dame is judging him and God is judging him for for murder. So he has to make up for it. He has to, he needs to um, repent in some form. So he says, "I'm going to raise this child as my own." Worst dad in cinema, possibly. <laughs> um, he he raises him to believe he's disgusting. He shouldn't leave the bell tower. He's a monster. Excuse me. He's a monster, and and yeah, just an awful. But but in spite of that, Quasi grows up to be a very loving, caring, doting. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't particularly care for himself the way he looks, and and nobody else does. But he he has a heart of gold, basically. Um, and Esmeralda is performing in the king the uh, the festival of fools, uh, and she's a wonderful dancer, and uh, she is. She's very she's very self-reliant. She has struggled all of her life to make money and to uh keep herself alive. So she dances and finds every which way she can. Kind of a bit Aladdin-y, actually. There's a, like an Aladdin energy to her, I think. Um and and she's very, very fascinating. I've, uh, like me and Mike talked about like the kind of the Amazonian kind of statuesque powerful women and i think esmeralda in this is is very powerful and she she knows the difference between right and wrong and she's not afraid to stand up uh for that and to protect people that are being abused or mistreated uh people who are different um which i i really liked as well about her um obviously she's very beautiful and 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 quite sexual in a way um but not 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 in a, in a way where I don't think it's purely an objectification type thing, but it's a it's kind of a it's a, a sexuality that's born out of her personality and who she is. 
Um, and I, I've kind of always appreciated that. And and she's so hot that she makes all of Paris burn. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I win if there's a competition. Um, but yeah, she she is the main, she's the the focal point of the film. It's called the Hunchback of Notre Dame, but every single main character is kind of in love with her, and you kind of know why because she's this amazing person. And and you know, even the villain is going after her in the most dark, creepy, intense, possessive ways. Like, well, if I can't have her, if I can't shag her, she won't marry me. Everybody dies. Just everybody. Yes, yeah, when um, he has his, her scarf, I'm like, Ugh. And sniffing her hair and stuff. Yeah. Oh, and the sniffing hair her neck sniff. and saying that, like, you're, oh, you're I know what dark, hot, like, what, what, uh, Im- impure thoughts. Impure thoughts. Yeah. That was it. You're forcing it. And she's like, there's only one thought that you've got. And it's like, with this film, there's a lot of that innuendo but, and a lot of his his sort of thing is him dreaming of being with her and all this stuff and he's like no yeah. it's impure and disgusting so i'm gonna it's classic you know, i mean there's a whole there's a whole song you're attractive it. and i'm having sexual <laughs> feelings and because i feel yeah. like i can't control myself i'm gonna blame you which yeah. is still happening in the world in certain places but Ooh. we're not gonna delve into that yes. so this, was set in the, this was set in the 15th century 15th century sorry thank so, you so dan when, when was your like when did you first watch this film or when did you first go oh hello uh, so I, I saw it when it came out of the <laughs> cinema. Um, I saw it when I first came out of the cinema. And I, I think, like, for me, I think I was attracted to women probably much younger. Well, I, I, chronologically, I was attracted to women before Mike was. Oh, it's but, not a competition, uh, then. <laughs> I win. I win again. Um, I mean, this film came out when we were <laughs> two. three. Two, three. Two, three. Yeah, 96. So, so me, I had a raging hard on. So what are you going to do with that? Um, no, uh, no. The I hard on of Notre Dame. <laughs> the, hard, the, the balls of Notre Dame. Um, they were they dropped massively. Uh, no, so, but no. Like even in primary school, I I had a, an attraction to to women. There was a there was a woman there was a woman in the in my primary school. I was very attracted to, and again, like I'm as kind of Esmeralda esque as well. I would say. Um, but but yeah, I, I it was at a point where I was kind of coming away from Disney, uh, and I wasn't really kind of. Uh, I was kind of like, oh, it's just kid shit. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, I want to do something more interesting. But but going back to it, I think it's one one of the more richly complex Disney films. Like, there's so a lot. Of, it's a lot of layers. Like the the religious right, the the equality, the how we treat people, the you know the the way we look at people, and 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 the way society is like the festival of fools. They flip society upside down for a day, and, it, and it's and on it, the sixth of January, which is Epiphany. Huh? Oh, well, there you go. Which in Maybe. Europe is quite a, it's a big in Catholic holiday. countries it's a big yeah. holiday. Yeah. In Spain and things. Well, that kind of makes well, sense. Well, they mentioned that they, they mentioned something about the sixth of January. So, in in mm. the song about the festival of right. fools, and I was like, oh, that's Epiphany. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think Frollo is one of the more interesting Disney villains we we have. Um, I, I don't think he gets maybe talked about enough, but I think probably because of all the kind of problematic elements to the film, uh, I think the score is really good. Um, but yeah, I think I think Esmeralda is a is a great character, and again, she's the driving force of this film as well not only is she the focal point because everybody fancies her but she's you know she's driving the action and there's a lot of stuff i don't like about the film uh the gargoyles for one i think were a huge mistake <laughs> really i love the gargoyles my only issue with it is why it's called one called victor one called hugo and the other one called laverne 
I looked ran, it up and it's out, named... Ran out of words. Yeah, <laughs> out of names. she's named after a singer that was of the time that the film was being made. I can't really remember, but it's a singer that was... I, I also think some like some of the songs are good. I think you know Bells of Notre Dame is a really powerful one. I think Hellfire is a really powerful one as well. I think when they're steering to the core, the core kind of dark gothic elements of of the story, the original story, I think that's when it works for me. I think when they're like, oh, I'm a gargoyle, blah, 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 you know, spitting <laughs> out, you know, when they're all trying to be Robin Robin Williams, which it just doesn't work. Um, and also one of their songs where they're like. Hey, you're the guy. You're the ace of hearts. Is during a genocide basically <laughs> that's going on. I'm like, you don't put that song right there. I it's know also you... very similar to the song that Danny DeVito sings in Hercules. There are lots of similarities yes. between Hercules songs yeah, and the not... songs in this film. Yeah. The same, the same song, same year, I, we... same year, I think as well, wasn't it? Or well, also the year before. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Hercules was slightly before. This is '97, I think. '96. Uh, this oh. is, but um, also. Uh, Megan looked it up and made this. Uh, well, I, I actually made the connection before first, I looked yeah. it up, and I was really proud of myself because Frollo or Frollo, whatever his name is, he gave. So I love Les Misérables. I love music. I, I love musicals, and yeah, I was like, stage oh, performance, not I was like, the film. <laughs> you remind me of Javert, which is the police Ooh. officer in yeah, this, yeah, and then I was yeah. like, oh shit, obviously, because it's written by the same, the same guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that makes sense, and it's set in <laughs> France at the specific yeah. era. And the music of this made me think of basically a poor man's Les Mis in a lot of ways. And I thought, to be blunt, I thought the music of this film was one of the worst Disney soundtracks I've ever heard. Not because it's bad, but because legitimately, even though you mentioned a couple there, mm. zero memorable I songs I think it's me also just all. different, though, because all of the songs in this are a lot darker than other Disney mm. films. But apart from the Hellfire one, I thought they all sounded the same. I was like, The Hellfire and the, and the one that sounded a bit um, like the Hercules song, they're all big, they all sound big like the Les Mis songs. But for me, they had no hooks. And for me, I was just like, there were songs happening and I was like, I don't know what this song is adding. It feels like mm. there's no humour to this song. It's not a really hooky song that you're singing to yourself. There's no like Under the Sea song, you know, in, in Hunchback. There's no Zero to Hero. Well, you exactly, because ev- it's a different No, but different in, every, film. in every Disney Very film, even story. in this era, there's at least one standout song that everyone knows. And for me, the soundtrack was the weakest part. I really like this film. A lot more than I remember when we watched it a couple of years ago, because I'd never seen it as a kid. But I thought the songs, as pr- the songs were good as songs, but they all sounded like fillers. They all they, it sounded like Lamers, where you've got three hours of music and you have to have certain songs just because every well, the bloody songs aren't song. the same as Lamers. No, no. But what I'm saying is, in a film like Lamers or a production like Lamers, when every single word of dialogue is sung, which I despise when things do that, you get these songs that aren't really songs. You just have dialogue points that you have to say in a tune. And those are the filler tracks. And on either side of the filler tracks, you get these really big, amazing, incredibly written songs, which Lamez has a lot of. Mm. In this, I was just like, this feels like the in-betweeny tracks before a really big song, but none of the big songs really hit for me. There was a couple that were all right. But for me, this is the only Disney film I think I've seen that there's not a song I could even name bar Hellfire because Dan just mentioned it. <laughs> so for me, that was actually the weakest part. Mm. So sorry. I hate Lamez. Um, I'm sorry, Megan. That's fine. It's not for me. I didn't but, write it. But, but, but many musicals like that are not for me. I, I, I'm I can't stand the singing of lines. Javert. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, even that is like, ugh, making me 
I've I've not seen it. I've not seen it, but I have seen clips of Rosalind. Um, oh, no, don't watch. Don't but, watch the film version. Oh, yeah, do, don't watch the film version. No, don't watch the film version. But I do tend to like musicals in general. And for me, this takes the best bits of all the musicals in terms. All the musicals. I don't know why I said it like that. In <laughs> terms of the darkness and describing how a character is feeling well without them speaking what they're feeling because that makes me want to shove nails in my eyes um so i went into this film not keen i was like oh dan <laughs> classic dan but again is this is name? like the one time that i'm like on side with dan this is one of my and favorite films growing up not weird and not weird <laughs> i was really pleasantly surprised the things that surprised me the most is i think all of the male characters apart from Frollo, and this includes Quasimodo and Phoebus, can fuck off. This film's amazing without them. Um, I actually kind of think they're just in the way of Esmeralda and Frollo. And I think those two characters are absolutely fascinating. Like, I could just spend so much... Like, I could read an epic George R R R R R Martin... <laughs> Series about just those two. Well, and the then actual how original they come is three together. books long, nine hundred and sixty <laughs> yeah, pages yeah. of their story. So you've but got it's, God, but it's really? not just these two, um, unfortunately. <laughs> and like, and because I think they, and I cannot believe they are in a Disney film. I cannot believe Esmeralda is basically a Disney princess. Like, she's so interesting and fascinating. Like I said, Demi Moore's voice work is absolutely fantastic, and I just think. I totally get why. I mean, I really fancy her now as well. Um, but like, I totally get the fascination of her and why as a young boy or girl or anything in between, you would look at her and go, I fancy her. Cause I don't think that's necessarily the words that you would use about no. her. No. I would say that you're more sort of activated or, or drawn entranced, her. drawn mm. to her. Mm. Yeah. Because but there's even, just something about her. But Sorry, even, for, no, 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 I interrupted you, but even for me, I'm not that way inclined, but I was captivated by Esmeralda because mm. because this film I was obsessed with when I was younger, and I distinctly remember going to school for World Book Day while all of the other kids were like dressed up as like Harry Potter and Hermione. There's me. I'm like, Mum, I want to go to Esmer- I want to go as Esmeralda. Yeah. So I went to as as Esmeralda for World Book Day, and I distinctly remember having this like really colourful like flowy skirt that I wore and my mum got me like this like baggy ish top but that must have been like year three <laughs> like I was obsessed <laughs> I with that. this film <laughs> I will say with Esmeralda watching this she was of these four she's beautiful she's eyes. my number one I, yeah. I will say I, when after watching I was like A obviously stunning but also you say B she's got so much agency she's got much power and her banter with Phoebus I will, I will argue yes. back against it uh, and I'd say I love Phoebus in this because Phoebus he's is the, also kind of hot well, he, you said that and you were like, and I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> he's probably the Disney person that looks most similarly to me in the sense of he's got a little beard. That's about it as much as it draws. But like, I don't look like any Disney princess, let's not be honest. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, he's got a little goatee thing like I used to have in college, fun. Um, but I would say Esmeralda um, and Phoebus, like Phoebus is the comedy relief. You know, Hunchback is the tragedy. Or sorry, Cosimodo. That was very mean of me. Cosimodo is the tragedy. Esmeralda is kind of the spirit, the drive, the 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 thing driving the plot, and and the one who's you know being obviously got the gaze of the three gentlemen in this. But Phoebus has genuinely some of the funniest yeah, Disney he does dialogue. Have some funny dialogue. I've ever I've ever heard. I, I thought every single thing he said when it wasn't pithy 
boring love dialogue with him and uh, Esmeralda was so funny. Like when he says, Phoebus, it's the sun god, and she's so unimpressed, and he's like, yeah, I, I hate it too, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just like that. He's, he's self-aware that he, look, he comes across like a douche, but he's actually a really nice guy. And the way he gets Esmeralda is not by being, you know, the prince's garden. She's always saying, you're different, you know. Maybe my crush is actually him because i thought he was amazing <laughs> i loved him i thought it was great I, I it's kevin klein who does I was gonna great say, comedy timing so that's exactly what i was going to say ria i think it's more you're more that you like kevin klein and less <laughs> that you like phoebus that's what i think don't tell me who i fancy dan <laughs> no if i want to fancy phoebus the sun god then i will do what i want <laughs> <laughs> anything else on hunchback and esmeralda Aside from, I think it's massively underrated. I do I tell it, tell us more. Tell us yeah. more, Megan. I want to hear this because it's very rare you agree with me on anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just really like this film because it's different. Mm. I've, I, I've always had a fascination for this film and I just find it so weird that there's so many people that haven't seen it. Like, I think because it came out at the time it came out, it kind of just kind got swept under the rug a little bit because there were so many other Disney movies that were coming out at that time that were just slightly more popular but yeah I've I've always loved this I mean for me to go <laughs> to school dressed as Esmeralda like so I was obsessed with her I loved her um and it's, pro- it's probably one of my earliest memories I don't even distinctly remember watching this film over and over and over again but I, I remember going as Esmeralda for World Book Day I think I didn't watch it when I was younger because I think I, much like most people who haven't seen the film probably went, oh I either know the plot or I'm not interested by Quasimodo, you know, you, you think you know it but hmm. I'd say with this film, this film I think one of the other reasons it didn't do as well probably in America is because it accurately shows some of the major pitfalls with dogmatic religion, especially Catholicism and Christianity. And let's be completely honest here, Islam is very, very similar in its doctrine, trying to make people celibate and trying to repress people's sexual feelings and then victimising the people who are the ones being sexualized? You know, <clears throat> women in the Middle East. Sorry, um, it's one of those things. It, it's just it, it's something that I think is so powerful and is so important. And you know, his Hellfire song. Although I wasn't as much a fan of the song itself, the musically, the dialogue and the imagery. And when he's there by himself and he's like throwing things into the fire and his hair's going all weird, and he's like getting stressed. Like he's basically, although I hate him, obviously <laughs> he is struggling because he's. His own religion, which is what most people in those times, especially someone high up in authority, is basing their entire identity on and their entire value on, when that is being challenged by their human desires, how do you go about doing that? If you're a good person, you either try and, you know, either deal with it yourself or change your perspective on religion and go in a more progressive liberal mindset, which is generally the healthier way, and talk about it. Or you repress it more and more and more, and then you lash out at people around you, especially the people you're having the feelings about, and that's what this whole film is about. And I think this film probably didn't do as well, because in the places, a lot of America, which have got a strong religious uh, integration with the local government and things, you as a you know nuclear Christian family probably don't want the kinds of questions around your children as to, hey, here it is, clear as day, some of the very problematic elements of celibacy. And they're probably like, yeah, we don't want to have that conversation because we don't believe it because we think it's wrong. So I think that that might be a reason why it didn't work, which is one of the reasons I actually say to people now, they should actually see this because that element is so strong. And I, I love that kind of thing. I'm very much, a lot of the films I enjoy, I love it when religion is being questioned 
or pokes fun at in certain ways. Because in my opinion, it's a it's a belief at the end of the day. As valid as it may or may not be, it's just what you think. And so I just think it should, every thought should be challenged. So that's one element I, I really, really respected about this film that I didn't quite pick up on uh, the first time I watched it, which well, was you again... you watched it for the first time with me. It you was in COVID. I could barely it. remember any of it, so... Is this the first dark and complex Disney movie that everybody's kind of liked? I really like Watcher in the Woods. I loved that. I was talking about it the other day. I, I genuinely think that's amazing. But I don't know. I think there's a couple of others darker ones, but I can't think off the top of my head. Mm. You have to show us some more, Dan, and then... Uh, I will. <laughs> some more dark and weird Disney films. Not Dragon well, Sky. I'm, I'm going to talk about my choice, which is a choice, a film that takes darkness and brings light and joy and has the foxiest Robin Hood ever <laughs> seen on screen. Um, yeah, I'm talking about, obviously, 1973's Robin Hood. He is the hottest Robin Hood that we've ever had. Russell Crowe, get lost. Kevin Costner, get lost. It is all about an animated fox. He's cute. He's so cute. Cute little so foxy cute. face. But he's also just completely charming. This is And this is what I was talking about at the beginning with Mike. Like, I think, as a kid, I was like, I don't think I fancied cartoons or understood what fancying anybody would be. But I was like, this Robin Hood is so cool. And I think that continues into adulthood. Like, there's actually quite a lot of hot animated characters in this film. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I think I fancy <laughs> quite a lot of these people, uh, these animals. Um <laughs> But, you know, can you, can you go into that a bit more, please? I'm a bit confused. <laughs> Are you just thinking of all the things you could do with Hiss, or am I going off the mark? No, not Hiss. But Little John, Little John's hot. The rooster's hot. Alan Adele's hot. Oh, the rooster lady. is cool. The rooster's lady. Very, I want him to be my uncle. I just <laughs> he's hot. I'm like well up for some of that. I would, I would, I would fuck Lady Cluck. That's what. Oh that's my what. god, I thought you Lady Cluck is. Funny. I thought I was thinking. I didn't Lady realize. Cluck is really funny, but she's confusing because her size changes throughout the film. Most of the time, she's really tall and big, and then randomly, <laughs> okay. and then suddenly in, she's tiny. In the middle part of the thing, when they're doing the archery competition, she suddenly shrinks because <laughs> she's as tall as all the rhinos and stuff at one point in Little John, and then suddenly she's just half the size. <laughs> so I love right, we've got we've got about fifteen minutes, so let's oh, talk sorry. about go, go, go. how go, 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 Lady sorry. Cluck would dominate us all um, <laughs> because yeah, she probably. would. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, she's definitely the dom the rest of us are the subs <laughs> the world is a sub <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah so Robin Hood so the fox Robin Hood foxy by name foxy by Robin Hood nature um, he's just completely charming and he's mm-hmm. so he's not got an ego like Robin Hood Prince of Thieves great film love it and terrible but great but dude, Kevin Costner has an ego. Like that Robin Hood is also mmm, look at me, I'm Robin Hood, even at the end when he's supposed to be all charming. I do not understand why Maid Marion ends up with him in that film. I'm like, <laughs> he is such a knob. He's so up himself. This Robin Hood doesn't have any of that. He's just he's literally about survival and what is right and what is wrong. And who knew that would do it for me, guys? But apparently it does. I really like you know, his accent. He's, he's got a great accent. He's never doing anything to get praise or you know he's got that sort of like George Clooney sort of cocky charm where it's just charming enough but not too charming that it's really annoying unless it's sort of like the later later oceans films he loses them uh George Clooney not not Foxy Robin um (laughs) you know it's always just on the right side of charming and apparently that just really works on me he's funny he's kind like look how he's taking care of his community and the people around him he puts them first but he still has fun with it and he is such a gentleman 
to Marion. He's such a gentleman to her. Like I never realised, like when until I watched it literally in the last couple of days, can't remember what I did, that he says, well, they say they've never even kissed, but they're just completely in love because they just, in my head, they just love each other's personalities and they respect each other. And it's like, it's not about all that other stuff, although they're clearly going off and having weird sounding fox sex in that. Then singing each other silly. What yeah. does the fox <laughs> <That> say? Rest... <laughs> Harder. <laughs> fox me silly. Fox me silly. <laughs> and so I thought, rewatching it, you know, like we all joke. I don't know if you do, but there's a certain generation of us. We all joke that we all fancy Fox Robin Hood and Fox Maid Marion. Like it's just like a running joke. And it's like all women want is him and all guys want is her and so I was like going into watching this and like having that in my head and joking about like this whole article is written about it go and google it (laughs) like and thinking oh it would be really funny but I was like I get it watching it again he is so charming and so is she and I was like I think that's really unusual and it's not like in that sort of you know when people describe vanilla as being boring vanilla is awesome by the way you can do loads of stuff with vanilla so actually, it's also my favorite ice cream flavor. It's probably mine. Mine too. Well. Absolutely mine too. Um, hey, and, nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for that validation, everyone. <laughs> um, but there's but there's something about that. Just call like nice doesn't have to be bad. And this whole film is a little ray of sunshine, and I love that. Who else fancies a, an animated fox? Just me. I do. Well, well, I, I, he I has was... a sexy accent. So sexy. I, I can agree. I can agree with you. I think both of the foxes in this are hot. I, if you didn't go for Robin Hood, I would have gone for Robin Hood because I fancied Maid Marian quite a bit. Um, and like the bit where she sneaks away with the with a young lad and they're pretending that, and was like, I was like, I want her to. I want to save oh, her myself. Yeah. And like he's the he's like, I'm Robin Hood and I do this. What do we do now? Now we're in this this bush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I guess we kiss. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like you know, I wanted my own little version of that. But I, I, again, this is a even even into my teens me and my friends were still watching this version mm-hmm. of robin hood like it still it still works again the action is great it's animated beautifully but also it has that fun disney quality but you never lose a sense of the impending danger or threat of the tax man and, and you know even though like king john is like a doofus and and hiss is like the other doofus uh, the slightly smarter doofus and and even even the you know the sheriff of Nottingham isn't particularly smart, but like there's moments where these characters are going to be beheaded. You got the rhinos charging. You're like fuck, and you and you it you know your heart sinks because you really enjoy and love these characters. You know Robin Hood, Little John running through the forest. You know <laughs> who doesn't love that? Like I don't think again. I don't think a lot of the songs are real winners in this, but the first few songs I think are really strong and they stick with me. But yeah, I, I love it. The whole um, action set piece towards the end with the fire and, you know, everything like that really, really works. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I think, again, it's I think it's a wonderful Disney film. I don't think it gets talked about enough at all. Um, unless we're all horny for foxes. Unless we're like, unless we really want to fucking shag a fox. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, the gin- it's the gingers and the redheads again, isn't it? That's it, oh, that's God, it. it redheads. Yeah, Do you know what I never realised until just redheads. then? It is, isn't it? I mean, and also, Robin Hood is fighting against what some would say a Tory government. And of course, there's nothing sexier than somebody who wants to burn down all the Tories. So, revolting rear. Revolt yeah, against exactly. the patriarchy, <laughs> revolt against... Exactly. Um, so clearly I'm on board because I'm like... Like if if John and 
and snaky boy yes. and sheriffy boy, boy. Don't, <laughs> don't represent the current conservative government or concept you know ones mm. before them then who does like jesus yes. christ you know the the whole mummy and sucking the thumb. I think that's very much a Tory government. If I've ever if I've ever seen anything, <laughs> that's Boris Johnson, isn't it? That's yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I will say with this film, uh, first of all, Friar is probably the best character for me. He's a badass. He was the I mole. would totally do him as well. By the way, nice. the mole man. Yeah, yeah uh, I think he's a bear as well. I, think... I give him a little cuddle. He's a bear. I, I... Is a bear as well. As a mole. No, no. I, I thought he was a bear, <laughs> right. like Little John. Like he's the same <laughs> size. Mole he's bear. Oh, is he a badger? No, he's, he's a badger. badger. Yeah, you might right. be, but he's not uh, black and white like conventional badger. Guys, you know what we need to do, guys? We need to watch the cr- opening credits the, again. The credits. It, oh, okay, yeah, those states, credits that last. It states exactly for some reason they decide to state every character. Yeah, it's so weird. But they don't have an end credits. I think when the film ends, just ends. And I was like, oh, okay. But yeah. That was, that was old school. That was old school, Mike. I was, I was probably yeah. But it's with the front. It's funny because this film and Hunchback, two of the best characters, are the 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 priests or the vicars, the the representative of the church, which is usually often the bad person, especially in media and things. In, in especially, especially in, yeah, yeah, it usually. Depends, but it, either they're the ultimate good or they're horrendous. But these, they were like fighting back. They're like, no, no oppression. You got to you know do these things. So I like that. But I will say. I was not a fan of this film until the last half hour. I thought the first hour was so <laughs> slow and it was killing me. What was me. it you hated? They kept saying, oh, Lally. Oh, oh do Lally. It was killing me every time they said it. I felt Mike like, was like, why oh. do they keep saying that? And I then he looked, looked it up, up and he was like, there's, there's no, no reason. <laughs> There was an, the Udulali song. I couldn't stand with the rooster. I love the rooster to clarify. I thought what a the Udulali day. What a song day. was horrendous. I was like, this sounds like a drunken uncle at a campfire who's forgotten the words to everything. The Udulali song was right at the start, oh, right. and they say it so many goddamn times. And then every probably twentieth line of dialogue, someone says Udulali, and I'm like, I don't understand, and I don't like it. I will. And the dialogue's like Bambi, which really pissed me they, off. Yeah, they do talk slowly. Oh, so slow. So like some of the characters, specific and well spoken. I like British <laughs> actors, but the sheriff of Nottingham was this hillbilly American That's accent. That's what I was going to say. No sense. The accents in this confused me because it's set in like an English town, and also why are they calling it Nottingham? When it's clearly Nottingham, like Nottingham, yeah, really. They're Americans. <laughs> yeah, I know. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Do it proper. Like, Nottingham proper. Because then also you've got like, yeah, the hillbilly sheriff that I'm like. Now, now, no. now, again, the rooster. And the does, rooster, yeah. The rooster, the rooster does state that everyone has their own version of Robin Hood. Robin Hood. And this is the Animal Kingdom's version of Robin Hood. <laughs> so is the correct if, one. If if it <laughs> if it does happen that the sheriff of, of Nottingham, Nottingham is you know um, you know a southern, a southern a southern like hick you know a hillbilly or whatever redneck then that's the animal kingdom's version you've got <laughs> I mean, to accept that's, that's a, their that's their version it's special that, to them that's a cop out but I'll, I'll let you have it but I, I found and also there's a lot of whistling in this and I hate whistling in songs it drives me mental <laughs> if it's whistling in the stuff over the top of it. It's fine, but I f- whistling cuts through me. I, I really don't like it. So that, that did uh, bother oh me. Oh, my God. Um, that is one of the weirdest things I've ever heard anyone I, say. It, it drives me mental. I, I hate it. There's a couple you know, of songs I like that Mike, do have some whistling. people tell me weird shit all the time. People love telling me weird shit. But 
Weirdly, that's one of the strangest things. I've I can whistle quite well. So it's not even a, it's not even a worry. Like I can I whistle. Stand whistling. No, I don't mind whistling in real life. If well, actually, no, to be honest, if someone whistles in real life, you're like, "What are you doing?" Because it's just a guilty thing. What are you doing, you prick? Um, just hum or something, or shut up. It's like playing music in public. Stop it. Um, but anyway, the whistling in songs, not a fan at all. Um, to clarify, but the first hour of this film was a slog for me. I was like, nah. not enjoying this. I thought it's it was boring. Because you don't want to shag anyone. True. That is. It does help. <laughs> it. You know, my That's penis off and fills my brain. There were but loads of rabbits in this film, Mike. I don't. I'm not sexually attracted <laughs> to rabbits. There's one. Fuck a rabbit. There's, there's one rabbit I'm sexually attracted. To <laughs> that's the every other rabbit, the like ninety nine point nine nine percent of rabbits in this world. I'm not. It's just the one. Like, it's just Lola Bunny. Okay. She's, okay. Come on. She's. But I was gonna say with Rapid this up. film, um, I thought the last half hour or forty minutes was absolutely incredible. From the point where they're breaking into Prince John's place and they do the whole you know ropes and everyone's in prison and it's really dark and depressing. So why, so why the Star, Star Wars Star Wars A New Hope then when it becomes <laughs> Star Wars A New Hope you like it. In what way? Oh, what, when they're going into the Death Star, rescuing the princess. Oh, I see. So I think of Phantom Menace because I think the first hour of that film is a slog oh, okay. half at the end. Anyway, um, I, I was just <laughs> anyway. going to say with that film, I thought the the ending bit was really cool. The animation was great. I, I really, really liked the second half. Basically, I thought the second half really picked up and was really, really great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But why were the raccoons the only ones with prison? garbs on, whereas everyone else had their normal clothing? That's why I want to know. Because it's stripes. It's just visual yeah. fun, Mike. But, yeah, but have a laugh. I'm, I'm an advocate for raccoon Learn how to have clothing. Fun. Raccoons should have clothing. Okay, <laughs> it's inappropriate. But no, it's racist profiling is what it is. Just because they've got a little a bandit mask on. Yeah, you think they're guilty just, already. They just assume they're all criminals. Raccoons. Uh, yeah. That's profiling. But as a whole, I liked the film. I just thought the first when it started, I was like, oh, this is going to be rough. I was not a fan of the dialogue or the way they talked. And I found that Prince John. I know he's meant to be annoying. Oh, you drove me mental. I love that. I love Prince John. Yeah. He's so, ir- he's so <laughs> irritating. See, he's too, he was too he's t- irritating the, the t- for me. The, the sucking thing was like, I know it's intentional, but it went on and on and on. I was like, okay, I don't need to keep watching this animated lion suckle his own thumb. <laughs> okay. Right, Megan, Sorry. last words about Robin Hood to you, and then we'll wrap up. I liked it. thought it was good. I, I thought probably out of... Uh, I think my least... Uh, I don't know. My least favourite would be t- between Who Framed Roger Rabbit and, and this one. But I, I enjoyed all of them. I, I, I enjoyed I rewatching this film because I hadn't seen it in a very, very long time. So it was fun. And it, and okay, so all of us, just out of the four we've chosen, let's just objectify one of them. Who would we like to spend our time with the most? Esmeralda. Esmeralda. By a long by Mine a would still mile. be Prince Eric. To be fair, yeah. it would probably be Esmeralda I'm, or Prince Eric. I'd say I'm torn because they've both got beautiful eyes. They do. Mm. Tell you what, I'm going for a threesome. So what about a foursome, including Prince uh, with King Titan? (laughs) (laughs) He'd be a selfish lover, though. I think. Yeah, he would be. I I don't know. He's got seven children. I don't. But no wife. Where's she gone? He's just enjoying himself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a thing on. He said shagged. He's allowed to sleep around. Come on. (laughs) I mean, he did. There is the room. There's the. They're all little like wham people down by as by Ursula. Ursula. Yeah. But to, to crush your soul, sorry, they're going to make apparently a live action remake of Hunchback. They're making a live action remake of Robin Hood as well. So I mean, it's not going to be as hot. So it's also, not going to be good. 
I, I read I read this week because of the popularity of the Winnie the Pooh horror film. They are making a horror Bambi and a horror Cinderella, so that's incoming. Bambi right. would work. Ooh. Cinderella, the original like tales, the stepsisters cut off of uh, they cut off the edges of their feet to fit them in the glass slipper. I so. mean, they could probably make a horror Little Mermaid as well, because in the original yeah, story, it's like pins and needles walking on nice, and then she turns into sea bubbles. So, Mike, <laughs> you're, you're only allowed one minute to tell everybody about you. I'm timing it. Okay, um, my name is Mike. Hello there. Um, follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. Um, you're potentially listening on the feed of Film on Film or on Genuine Chit Chat. Either way, both Amer- uh, both amazing shows. Check other stuff out. I've got a lot of stuff going on. I talk to Star Wars authors, a lot of non-Star Wars authors, filmmakers, uh, all kinds of different things. Check out Genuine Chit Chat on YouTube for video versions of the stuff as well. Everything's in a playlist, and that's great. And then also go to patreoncom Chit Chat where you can find myself and Megan release an episode of Afterthoughts every week. It's only one pound a month, and so if you want to hear more from Megan and less from me go to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat and don't forget to uh, rate and subscribe this show if you're on film on film or on genuine chit chat five stars five stars beautiful look at that that's amazing Great. megan where can everyone find you you can find me on instagram because i'm actually like somewhat active on there i've i've recently started going back to the gym so you can find me on grits gets fit uh waking up at high five in the morning to go to the gym before work so that's super fun so go on there say hi <laughs> I'll go next and then you, Dan. Um, so come and find me at Ria Carrigan on Instagram, at Femon on Instagram as well. I should have said them both on Instagram. Uh, you'll either, as Mike said, you'll either be listening to this on Chit Chat or Femon. Oh, hey, maybe Dan, you'll release it as well. So maybe, maybe we do. Sure, know. sure. Uh, <laughs> rate, review, come and see all of our content. We're all amazing and join us for the next Disney discussion. Who is actually choosing the next Disney Dan. discussion? Dan. me. Perfect. So that is oh. why we... That's I'm why I thought you chose him at the end. That, I thought no? you were being clever then. No, uh, I wasn't. I was just winging it. So, <laughs> Dan, you go and tell us what the next category is. Okay. Um, I- I'm just going to rip Mike off massively uh, from, from what he did a little earlier this year. Um, instead of underrated animated movies, I'd like to do underrated live-action movies, hmm. not live-action remakes. Not. I'm saving that for another time. I can't wait to put that off. That's a whole. That's a whole another discussion. But anything you think that features real people being shot on film, they can have animated characters like Roger Rabbit. But anything that you think needs a spotlight, but it has to feature real people. Um, so I think there's a fair. I've got a list, so I'll send that over if you're struggling. But uh, also tell us your underrated live action Disney films as well. Um, High school musical. We're saving that for your pick. That's a that's a that's a preview of Megan's in a few months' time. There you go. There you go. Now you know. So <laughs> we've got the lineup. But yeah. So so uh, I've not even decided mine yet so, of these. So uh, so I'm going to do a bit of digging as well. But yes, you can find me on Spider-Man at SecretBalls.com. That's B O R E S. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. I've got another, I've got my own Disney podcast coming up on a goofy movie. Uh, it's coming out in a couple of, in next month. Yeah, so a few weeks time I think. A couple of weeks time. Um, so yeah, go and check me out there. And I've got four hour one with Natalie as well, um, talking about Disney villains, including Ursula and some of the other ones we've mentioned today. But thank you very much. But yeah. Cool. 
And also, Dan's got a Patreon, and it's amazing. Go check that out. And also, Dan came over ours last weekend, which was amazing. It was great fun it to was, have Dan's house amazing. guest. And we watched the weirdest film ever that we'll be doing a podcast on. Yes, in a few weeks, I should once mention, Megan's recovered. Should, oh, my Lord. Yeah. But before you pipe that, I just want to quickly say, you you saying Goofy reminded me, Who Framed Roger Rabbit mentioned Goofy, which made me think of your podcast. And mm. also, Quasimodo is also mentioned in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is weird because we're watching these in a little batch. So there's just a couple of connections I like. Sorry, Dan. Uh, yes. So yeah, I've, I've nothing else to say. <laughs> Lovely, great one as always. Looking forward to the next one. See what yeah. random shit we watch next. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, friends. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, my friends, make sure you check out Rhea Carrigan's Femme on Collective for some incredible content, as well as Spider Dance podcast, which also has some incredible content, amazing content creators, as always, in Disney discussions. So make sure you can support them where you can. Links are in the description. Now, obviously, both myself and Spider Dan have got Patreon. So if you want to support us there, you can go over and do that. Obviously, my Patreon, you can give as little as £1 a month and you get access to over 170 episodes of Afterthoughts. That's myself and Megan talking about trips we've been on, movies we've seen, TV shows, live performances. And also there's some other stuff on there I do solo. So if you want loads of bonus content, you get at least one episode of that a week. Please consider contributing to Patreon or you can contribute to my coffee. We can give a one-off donation. And if you do that, I will send you a handful of Afterthoughts episodes as well. So uh, please consider checking that out. Out. links are in the description another way you can support us which is a way you can support all of us at once without doing anything financially and that is subscribing to the pop culture collective newsletter links in the description but it is pccnewsletter.com and in essence it's a weekly newsletter where the three of us as well as some other incredible creators just give you a summary on what we're doing that week so normally you get a little paragraph of what i'm doing with genuine chit chat and what i'm doing with styles comics and canon and any other collaborations i've been doing and then spider dan talks about what he's been doing on his show and then the femon collective talks about what they've been doing as well as other members of comics in motion including including Tony Farina, Chris and Dave, and loads of other amazing people. But it's a really nice, concise sort of one-page document that you get to see. So really recommend checking that out if you want to keep up to date with everything we're all doing without having to follow every person on various social media places. Further to that, you can support the show by sharing on social media. So you can follow me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. I am also now on TikTok, but I'm just uploading snippets onto there. So the shorts, which you will see on Instagram as Reels and Facebook, and you also see them on YouTube as shorts as well. But if you just want to see some of those, as well as probably a couple of cute puppy videos or dog now, she's over a year old, Willow, so I don't know if it classes puppy at the moment. But if you want to see some of those, please go over to Genuine Chit Chat on TikTok. But the great way to support this show and all of the other shows that I do is by sharing on social media and telling your friends about it. In addition to that, you can rate and review. So you can rate on Spotify, you can review on Apple Podcasts or Audible or places like that. So if you do that, it makes a huge difference to the show and means the absolute world to me. So I would really, really appreciate a lot of you going and doing that if you can. But what else have we got coming up? Well, I have got a recording with a gentleman who is an author of a book called The College Cartel. So we have a nice 40-odd minute conversation about education and finances and politics, those sort of things. Really, really interesting conversation. The gentleman, Sahaj Shada, is a very, very switched on individual. It was a delight speaking with him. So I imagine that's going to be next week's episode. And obviously, I've got Rebels Reviewed Episode 2 to release. So that's where myself, Math and Dave go through each season of Star Wars Rebels. And we have done season two of that. So I'm going to be releasing that soon as well. Plus, I've got a recording due next week in person, which I haven't done an in-person recording for a little while. It's with one of my friends, and she's willing to talk about her experience with cancer, as well as video gaming and a few other bits and pieces as well. So very excited to speak with her. But I'll give you more details once that recording is in the bag. There are other things going on in the background. I'm trying not to have the same repeated conversations with the same kind of people, so I'm looking to branch out a little bit more. I've got a few people in mind, but I don't want to jinx it and stuff, so uh, we're just going to have to cross our fingers and wait and see. 
But I think for the time being, that is all, my friends. Obviously, make sure you check out my Star Wars show. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube because you can watch video versions of almost every conversation that I have. Everything is also in playlists, so it's a great way to go through my back catalogue. And also, it just helps the show out as well. So if you are a regular listener, whether or not you use YouTube very much, you could subscribe. It does really help because it pushes those numbers up. But I think that's just about it from me, my friends. So just thank you so much for listening, as always. Sorry I sound a bit bunged up. Hay fever is absolutely killing myself and Megan this week. So uh, yeah, a bit bunged up at the moment but I still appreciate you listening all the way to the very end. So I'll speak to yourselves next week with my conversation with Sahaj Shada, and uh, there'll be more to come. So thank you again, and I'll speak to you soon.